Hello and welcome back to uh, our second week of the summer encounter. I pray that your last uh, Sunday school lesson was amazing. Uh, I really do like this lesson. Dr. Qualls did a fantastic job on lesson two here, so I look forward to sharing it with you. Before we get into that, let me share with you again some things that you can explore that our denomination is doing. This is Children's Fest uh, in your neighborhood, right? So if on uh, July 17th is the date from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can register for it. The registration's open. Uh, what Jody needs to know is kind of what your group size is going to be. And um, we have some t-shirts and wristbands to send out to people. So we kind of need to know um, sizes and, and things like that. Um, but we're doing it virtually. It's going to be in your own church. Maybe you can get together with another uh, church and, and combined forces and, and volunteers. It should be uh, pretty easy to do. It's A lot of preparation has gone into it, and it'll be very good. So the theme is in your neighborhood, and that's going to be July 17th uh, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then also I wanted to let you know about the Cumberland Road. Uh, we've talked about it a couple times in the past uh, in the past week or two. Uh, TJ has interviewed both the nom nominees for General Assembly Moderator, and so also George Ladd. Uh, so anyway, he's got a lot of episodes on there if you haven't checked it out. It's at cumberlandroad.transistor.fm. You can also get that at any podcast aggregate. But if you're curious about our two uh, nominees for General Assembly Moderator, then check out uh, TJ Malinowski and the Cumberland Road. Finally, I wanted to remind everybody about CPYC. It will be going on this year. There's a little difference in the age groups than what we are accustomed to, but registration is also open for that, so you can head over to cpcmc.org forward slash cpyc, and you'll be able to get there and register, and you'll know all about it. So uh, there's your information. So we're happy to be back in somewhat of a normal mode. Again, the, the ages of the kids are a little different this year for CPYC, but we're going to Oh, we're going to have it, and that's a that's a plus, and Nathan's really excited, and Jody's excited to do Children's Fest, and, and so and I'm excited to go to General Assembly, so there you go. Um, also, I have Leo the Wonder Dog with me today, so if anything sounds weird, it's because Leo is here. Um, today, we're going to be going over Psalm 14, and that's going to be titled, The Result of Ignorance. So in Lesson 1, we talked about the two paths. We have a path of wisdom and a path of folly, path of wisdom or ignorance, whatever you want to. Lesson two is going to be about, uh, you know, if you follow the path of ignorance, well, then what are you going to get? And then uh, lesson three will be, you know, the results of wisdom. And then lesson four is how do we gain wisdom? So that's where we're at. Um, our memory verse, before I forget about it today, is Psalm 14.1. Fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abom abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. That's Psalm 14.1. And uh, our prayer for illumination. Almighty God, we ask for supernatural wisdom as we study your word today. We are not wise in your ways. We have no wisdom within ourselves. Enlighten our ears, eyes, and hearts that we may truly hear your word today. And in hearing, respond in faithfulness. Amen. And then our uh, actual our highlighted discussion question today is the very first one. I thought it would be a good exercise for all of us um, to think about this. Share a conversation about God you have had with an atheist. If you have no such experience, how might you start one? How you imagine it, how you imagine it might go, and what you might worry about. 
so in my line of work, I get to do this often, either teaching the college kids or and just interacting with people in our youth group or adults. Like um, I've had a lot of conversations with people, and and so and and they're all different. You know, it kind of depends completely and totally upon the person who you're talking to. At least for me, it has. I have no set standard of talking with people about God or whatnot. And I, I think I seek to have a conversation, and then it opens up wherever it goes to. I don't have an agenda. I do want to hear more about a person. But anyway, Dr. Qualls opens this up uh, in Psalm 14 uh, with a pretty good illustration. Uh, and, and we certainly have two different paths we can go. We can, we can go through the uh, path of wisdom, or today we're going to think about the results of ignorance. Um, so in this uh, introduction, i got three things that I'd want to... Uh, start up with one of the things that Dr. Qual says what's the difference between I think you'll be sorry and I told you so and that's an important thing because in a world today where everybody has a platform with which to give their opinion Twitter Facebook Instagram whatever it may be lots of times people fill their oats you know they fill their Wheaties and they proclaim from on high all these things that they know and it's a I told you so it's almost as if um, if we're not careful, we Christians can gloat that bad things happen to people who disagree with us. And that's very not good. But the I think you'll be sorry lends itself to to who we should be as Christians in the sense of we have a deep, deep, deep love for people who disagree with us or do not think that God exists or does not care about the Christian faith, does not care about our customs and these things. But our love should lead us to sorrow, not not being proud that something bad happened to someone. So when we're looking at it from that point of view, it sometimes we get frustrated. You know, our children sometimes don't listen to us with the importance of faith or, you know, people we know or we look on the news and we think, how can people think that way or how can this happen and so on and so forth. But there's something about an assurance that God is working, right? Like, um, God is in control. If God is omnipotent, then, I mean... Why do we stress, right? So the first thing is that we have an assurance. Those with wisdom have an assurance that God is in control. Uh, and that we know that God is right. You know, that's kind of an important thing, too. It's not as though we're having to uh, figure out if God has you know, got this under control or not. And <clears throat> related to that first thing, I'm going to read that memory verse again. Fools say in their hearts there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. But this part's good, too. There is no one who does good. And that there is no one includes us, even the Christian folk, those who are wise. We, we in and of ourselves, do no good. So that should lead us to some humility in our interactions with people. So next, the exploring the scripture um, in historical contextual setting. This was really important in that first paragraph about middle of the way on page 10 dr qualls writes a question emerges from the text which may not have accessible answers it's that chicken slash egg thing which comes first atheism or moral moral failure and so like i've seen this with my own eyes and i've experienced it in my own life we like to say that orthodoxy informs our orthopraxy in other words like right belief leads to right action and i believe that but i also believe that bad action leads to bad belief like i said in my own life 
I've noticed that, um, especially when I was younger, if I got in a certain crowd and started doing certain ways, I tended to justify myself. And I'd find ways in Scripture to justify myself. And before I knew it, I was on the wrong track. Right? So repentance was in order. But I think that is a true, true statement. Uh, and I see it with a lot of people. When someone simply um, rejects the faith, not necessarily because of head knowledge. Like There's people smarter than you and me that are Christians. There's people that are smarter than you and me that aren't Christians. Um, so I've never thought it was an actual intellectual thing we emotionally and uh based on our actions you know sometimes reject or accept the faith um the church uses liturgy and fellowship and spiritual disciplines to create a way in which we can almost act ourselves into faith um it's more than that but it, it reinforces it and then at the same time when you decide that uh, I mean, think of how many people have uh, left the church based on a social position that they perceive the church to take. It has nothing to do with whether God exists or not. It's just simply that they don't agree with the church on something, and so they leave, whatever that may be. Um, and, and I'll give you the example of how this works. I have a friend who married a uh, Jewish man. She um, was you know, Presbyterian to the core, and he was kind of a you know, pretty much a secular Jew, didn't really care much about God one way or the other. So just in order to keep harmony, he went to the Presbyterian church with her every Sunday. And he said through the liturgy, through the call of worship, through the Lord's prayer, through the confession, through, he said over about seven or eight years, he just found out he was a Christian, right? Now, again, I'd like to say there's more than that. There has to be some kind of a kindling of a personal relationship, but but he was not against God in any way, shape, or form. And he had turned, really, from a Jewish understanding of Jehovah to a Christian understanding of Jehovah. And it was just through the, the actions that he did over 10, 12 years. So I think that's interesting. And I think that's a good good thing to ponder in a Sunday school class. Is it is it really that people just decide that there is no God and then therefore they think or do whatever they want to? Or maybe it's because they do what they want to and think what they want to think that they've decided then that there is uh, there is no God. So I think that's that's a good question to think about at least. Um, so anyway, the other thing would be like uh, there's no real self-awareness. When you say a fool in, his, fool in their heart uh, says there is no God, um, there's just a, a lack of awareness of God and God's creation and spiritual things, right? That, I think that's... A kind of important thing to say. Um, and then we have Christians who thoroughly believe, or spiritual people who thoroughly believe in God and, and, and whatnot, but they live as if there is no God. And so it's what uh, people call practical atheists, right? And so um, we, we seek a balance between personal relationship, a living faith, and then the, the workings of faith. Uh, and that's where we try to go. Like, um, just because you say you believe something doesn't mean that you do anything that you believe. And so this is a good, uh, this exploring the scripture um, section is really good. So if you're teaching, take some time to read through that a couple times and uh, see what you think. It's really, really good. That takes us to the digging deeper section. Um, I think in the digging deeper section, uh, 
Dr. Qualls connects this with Paul's writings in Romans where, you know, there is no one righteous, no, not one. We've all turned away. Um, and I think a good discussion for a Sunday school class would be the doctrine of total depravity, what it is, how Cumberland Presbyterians believe it, uh, what do we understand about it, what does it mean. Uh, total depravity isn't that everyone is evil or, you know, will do evil every single time they get a chance. It, total depravity simply means that we're, we care about ourselves and we are unable to do spiritual good outside of conversion in the Holy Spirit. And what it leads us to do then is to push God to the sideline. This is kind of what Dr. Qual says in the Exploring the Scripture. But total depravity means that we push God to the sideline, God's commandments, God's laws, the way of wisdom, and we usher in uh, our own way, and we make ourselves the center of attention. And, and this is, whether you're Christian or not, you have this tendency toward that. And that's really how we understand total depravity is that there's a... Um, there's this constant desire to put ourselves on the throne of our hearts, um, and it's hard to overcome. Um, so anyway, that's a good discussion to have, I think. Um, let's see here. All right, then we go to the learning of this learning from the scripture section, uh, the witness of the church. Again, another really good section that uh, Dr. Qualls brings out. And he talks about, like, how do we interact with people who are polar opposites of what we believe, think, and do, right? Uh, how do we live as people of faith in a world who said faith is, is an outdated mode of life? Like, you can't make decisions based on faith. Yet we as Christians say, no, there's a revelation from God, and that revelation from God is more important than uh, revelations from political platforms or cultural movements or so on and so forth. We seek to be faithful to the revelation uh, we don't seek to form and shape our own path. Again, um, Scripture says there, you know, there's a way that seems right unto humans, but the but its end is in death, and we don't want to go that route. That biblical wisdom is from above, not something we find from within us or in ourselves. And so, uh, Dr. Qualls brings out three things that we can think about. First, he says, hold on to your faith with proper confidence. Number one, again, that's that God is in control. He's going to be uh, in charge of how all this works out. Uh, so there's no reason to fret or go to bed with anxiety or whatnot. But it also tells us that we then can approach things with humility. That's what I see probably the most is that we fight in our culture today about everything. And I think it's because nobody really actually thinks that they're right. They need to be assured that they're right. So they scream louder until somebody accepts what they say, and that's not how this works. Um, our power does not come from <clears throat> shouting. It comes from the fact that God is living and that God is in control, and so we have a proper confidence, and we act then with a proper, proper confidence. Second thing that Dr. Qualls talks about is never think that people aren't listening. While, you know, I've said before in a sermon that I think in 15 years of ministry or so, I can readily identify <clears throat> three situations or people that like my ministry actually I know did something good and the rest of it is just little things plodding along and I hope that I've made a difference um, but we as Christians know that the Holy Spirit is working the things that we say and the things that we do they have impact and other people are listening and we don't know um, what our actions and what our words the effect that they have on people but the Holy Spirit is constantly working and so don't think that 
our words or our actions are useless as Christians. They're not. They have eternal significance, even the smallest one. Um, y'all probably heard, you know, sermon illustrations about, you know, was Billy Graham, you know, the guy who preached a sermon that converted a guy who evangelized Billy Graham as a child, right? I mean, like, who knows uh, how your your ministry unfolds? We're, we're just faithful. And then the Holy Spirit does amazing things. God does amazing things. And, uh, and we see what happens. Uh, it's not up to us, but people are listening and seeing what we do. And then the third thing that Dr. Qualls brings up is that it's a family affair. And I think this is important too. Every single one of us have a part in uh, this proclamation of the gospel and, and this calling of people to repentance and to a life of submission before God. He quotes Leslie Newbegin on that second paragraph on page 13. Uh, he says, Almost everything in our current culture flies in the face of the notion that the true authority over all things is represented in a crucified man. No amount of brilliant argument can make it sound reasonable. It's true. Like 2,000 years ago, uh, Paul writes that the that Christ crucified was a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Romans or the Greeks, and it's still the same today. It still makes no sense, except through the power of the Holy Spirit and its truth. And no matter how much we like to say, like, that's his truth or her truth or their truth, there's a truth, and God has ordained it to be so. Um, and it's part of wisdom, is to know and adhere and submit to the truth. And when, when we see... Uh, just all the bad things in the world, and we think, well, this 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 person who was crucified and risen 2,000 years ago can make a difference. It sounds stupid, um, but it's what we hold on to. And so we hold on to it both in word and deed, and then everyone takes a part, right, in showing it. And what Leslie Newbegin was saying is that the church has to become, again, like it was in the first century, an alternative way of life. It's not just a proposition, of saying is Christ, do you believe that Christ is risen? It's really, it is a total, complete way of life that is different from our culture and that we invite other people in to be a part of, to experience and do so. But it takes a church as a witnessing community uh, to do that. Um, so I did like this discussion question on page 13. I'll go ahead and read it. What distinguishes your church from the surrounding community? In what ways does your congregation, quote, put the truth of the gospel in contention unquote, through living in alternate reality, an alternate reality. It's a good question. Like, why why should somebody come to your church? Like, what's the difference between going to the church and then going to, you know, O'Charlie's with your buddies on Sunday? And then finally, the Applying the Scripture Church. Um, Dr. Qual shares a, his personal calling and a vision that he received of a mass of people going the wrong way and then just one or two people trying to go against the crowd to get to safety. And he said that vision led him to standing before his small congregation in Arkansas saying that I'm going to be that person that calls people to safety. Whether people respond or not, who knows, but at least that was his calling. And if you're a minister or if you're, you know, a Sunday school teacher or, or whatnot, this is, this is pretty much our calling. Like, while the, while the world may go away, we, we try to be faithful and call people away from danger and into safety, away from ignorance and to wisdom. And, uh, and we do it with the tools that God gives us the study of the word, the proclamation of the gospel. We do it with love and service and humility, turning the other cheek, all the things that are despised by this world. Those are the tools that we do. And that's what it means to live in an alternate community. That's what it means to pursue wisdom instead of uh, pursuing ignorance. And, and ignorance is 
manifested in power and might and shouting and division and manipulation. It's just, that's the, that's the world. Let that go. Live in wisdom. Live in the power of God and the Holy Spirit working in this world. All right, so <clears throat> that's what I got for you today. Um, again, thank you all for uh, using the encounter. It's, uh, I think, it, man, it's, I think it's getting better. Now that I'm not writing, it's getting even better. Every week, it's getting better. I'm looking forward to hearing some of your emails, um, but thank you. And again, if I can help in any way, C Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G, that's C-F-L-E-M-I-N-G at Cumberland.org. Um, let me help you in any way we can. Uh, remember, we have the uh, sign up there at cpcmc.org forward slash encounter. You can sign up for a weekly email that has a little extra resources you can read through and share with people and then of course you're here at the youtube channel or if you're listening on on the podcast at at uh, the cumberland podcast however we can help but bless you and, and uh preach with grace and teach with grace and power